T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, welcome to At Your Service. Brad Young sitting in this evening with you until 10 o'clock. You know, my goodness, I missed last Wednesday night, and so much has happened. Uh, and I'm I'm not gonna you know go backwards in time. I mean, I did figure out though, being a big Star Trek fan, there is a way that you can actually travel backwards in time. Speaking of that, if you cook minute rice in the microwave, I think you can actually go back in time. Also, if you uh, if you ride in a bicycle race called the Tour de Donut, uh, for every donut you eat, it takes a minute off your race time. So I've calculated, at least in theory, if the race takes an hour and you eat 61 donuts during the course of the race, you could actually finish one minute before you start. So, yes, time travel is possible. But we're not going to do that tonight. We're not going to delve into that. Uh, But we are going to delve into lots of other issues. And if there's stuff on your mind tonight, give us a call. That's what at your service means. That's what distinguishes radio from other mediums. You get to be a part of the show. 314-436-7900. I'll be covering lots of topics, but if something's on your mind, give us a call. Also, uh, I think it was about two weeks ago, last time I, I was on here on At Your Service, and we had a gentleman call in. He was a fantastic caller. Uh, he disagreed with me, and <clears throat> he seemed like whenever he called that he was kind of reluctant to disagree with me. And folks, I want to let you know, I love it when people disagree with me. Feel free to call. Uh, that's what I enjoy. I love arguing for a living, and I, but I do it with the utmost compassion and kindness. So don't worry. I'm not going to lay into you, and I will never question your parentage. But if you want to give us a call and you disagree with me on something, those are the best calls, and we will put you automatically to the front of the line. Uh, yesterday was uh, it was Pearl Harbor Day, and uh, you know what's interesting is I, I do you like conspiracy theories? I, I love them. Now I rarely believe conspiracy theories. Uh, in fact, when I say rarely, uh, uh, I'm going to say almost never do I believe conspiracy theories. But you know what's great about them is that they don't require. Facts. I mean, facts aren't important if you're advocating for a conspiracy theory. All you have to do is argue about something and you just make up the facts as you go along. It's so much fun. Uh, and uh, and it also annoys your relatives at holiday parties. So that's another good part about, about uh, uh, conspiracy theories. But there are a lot of conspiracy theories that involve Pearl Harbor Day. I don't know if you knew this or not. 
but there are lots of them. And and I'm not an aficionado of these. And again, let me make sure you understand I'm not advocating that any of these are true. It's just fun. It's fun to fun to discuss the ideas or the or the uh what if. You know, there's a great series of comics that have now been turned into uh, a Marvel animated feature on Disney Plus called What If? And you just change the facts to have a cool idea played out. And that's, to me, what conspiracy theories are. But, you know, again, yesterday being Pearl Harbor Day, I was just thinking about some of those conspiracy theories about Pearl Harbor. And and, and the greatest is, and, and they all kind of revolve around a similar idea, and that is that for one reason or another, America needed an excuse to get into World War II. And and so most of these conspiracy theories, again, I think all of them have been debunked to one extent or another, but revolve around the idea that either Franklin Roosevelt knew about it in advance there was radar imaging that the that the Japanese fleet was coming and and that information was buried. I mean, there's all kinds of these theories. Uh, some of them revolve around the fact, supposedly, that we cracked the Japanese codes and had all the information about the fleet attack days or weeks before the attack on Pearl Harbor. And, of course, the conspiracy theory angle on that is that— uh, uh, England was not doing too well in the war. We were helping them. Churchill knew that it was difficult, and the only way between Churchill and Roosevelt, the only way they could even even have the idea that they would prevail in World War II was if the United States got in. But there was a lot of pacifism going on in the United States in the 1930s and early 1940s. So that's what these conspiracy theories, there's a lot of stuff online you can read about it. It's lots of fun. I just wanted to mention that because when we talk about Pearl Harbor Day, it's always solemn and reverential. And of course, that's a good thing. I'm not complaining about it. But since we're the day after, we can dive into some of the conspiratorial stuff too. So if there's any interest in that, I may dive into that as the show unfolds this evening. We're also going to talk about uh, Jesse Smollett because his case went to the jury today. And we're all kind of becoming jury experts with all of these these celebrity trials, whether it's, you know, Rittenhouse or others that have that we've seen played out in front of us, the the Derek Chauvin trial, and now we've got the Jesse Smollett trial that's gone to the jury today. So uh, I'm gonna break down some of the evidence from the Jesse Smollett case. And I'm, I don't mind making predictions. I'm going to predict right now that he will be convicted. And after this break, I'm going to tell you about why this conviction is far bigger than just little old Jesse Smollett. I mean, he's a two-bit actor that's never going to work again. But the ramifications of his conviction, I think, are actually a conviction on mainstream media. Brad Young, at your service tonight on X. We'll be right back. Welcome back to At Your Service. You know, I forgot to mention one thing. I tried to get Jim Talent on this evening, and uh, we're actually probably going to do this interview next Wednesday evening. So you're going to want to make sure that you tune in next Wednesday night. Uh, but the the point that I wanted to talk about with Jim Talent on the day after Pearl Harbor Day was this. I mean, if you if you think of Pearl Harbor, 
seems to me that the first thing that comes to mind is this idea of a sneak attack. And we weren't expecting it. We weren't in the war. And then all of a sudden, bang, the Japanese forces attacked uh, the central headquarters of our Pacific fleet. And they attacked uh, and took out of service a majority of our battleships. I mean, thankfully, our aircraft carriers were out doing maneuvers or it would have been far worse. But they took out the big battleships and lots of other ships, killed uh, countless servicemen and women. Obviously, it was an enormous tragedy and it drug us into the war. But the whole thing started with a sneak attack. And so next week, one of the questions I'm going to have for uh, former Senator Jim Talent, who's now a foreign policy and a military expert, he's on lots of commissions uh, and does consulting and on think tanks in Washington, D.C., but I wanted to talk to him about the parallels between 1941, 80 years ago, and 2021 when it comes to a Asian sneak attack. Because most military experts are of the opinion that if and when China tries to attack and overtake Taiwan, that the first step in that attack will be a cyber attack, either just directly on Taiwan or on the United States as well, or on the United States military. So to me, I, I find it fascinating of about the parallels between a sneak attack 80 years ago and a sneak attack today, and how both would, would track along a parallel pathway of negating the power of U.S. forces through the use of a sneak attack. So hopefully we'll get Jim Talon on next week, and he will discuss that concept in terms of how it applies today with regard to China and Taiwan. But the other thing I mentioned was was Jesse Smollett. And, uh, and I think it's interesting because he took the stand yesterday, and he testified in his own defense yesterday, and the case today went to the jury. I'm telling you right now, unlike some of these other cases that we heard, uh, particularly the, the Kyle Rittenhouse case, it will not take days and days and days for this jury to reach a verdict. Uh, I'm anticipating a verdict tomorrow. And when it comes to verdicts, uh, here I find this fascinating, but it's always true. See if it happens tomorrow. Prove me wrong. Listen, if I'm wrong, feel free to call me on it. But the vast majority of times when a jury is out, I've even had this happen in my own law practice when I've had jury trials. But if the jury reaches a verdict in the morning, they will never announce their verdict in the morning. And there's a very good and practical reason for that. Jury members want to eat lunch and make the government pay for it. I'm, I'm not even making this up because if you're on a jury, you get a free lunch. You know, they say there's no such thing as a free lunch. Well, when you're on a jury, you get a free lunch. And so when, when juries reach a verdict in the morning, the uh, And this happens like 90% of the time. They talk and they say, well, you know, if we come out with the jury verdict now, we don't get lunch. So why don't we just stall till after lunch and then we can come out and give our verdict. So I was on, I can't remember if it was here on KMOX or over on 97.1 on our sister station, where I was talking about the day before the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict. I said, I promise you that the verdict will come back right after lunch. And by golly, that's exactly what happened because they want to get another free lunch out of the deal. Uh, and that's really all there is to it. So what I'm guessing is, is that tomorrow about 1.30, 1, 1.30 p.m. tomorrow, 
we're going to have a verdict in the Jesse Smollett case. And if it doesn't happen tomorrow, which I'm, I'm get 80% sure that it will. Uh, it, and if it doesn't happen tomorrow, then will it will happen around one or one thirty on Friday. So you just see when check your watch when you hear the verdict when the when the notice pops up on your cell phone, check the time, prove me wrong because that's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, but with regard to Smollett, he will be found guilty, and there's no, there's no real issue there. But legally, I think it was a, a an interesting uh, an interesting case. Review, it's like law school 101 here because we got to see strategically why defendants have to take the 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 stand and testify. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. We all know from watching Law and Order, you don't have to do it. But you saw Kyle Rittenhouse take the stand in the in the Rittenhouse case, and and he and Smollett had to take the stand for the exact same legal reason. And I'm going to share that with you. It's not. It's not all that uh, groundbreaking, but when the story that's presented is such that only the defendant can refute it. In other words, you don't have documents, you don't have video evidence, you don't have uh, other witnesses to testify on your behalf, when really you're the only person who can refute the assertions of the prosecution, it becomes in your best interests to take the stand. And we saw that done so effectively with the Kyle Rittenhouse, both from an emotional standpoint, and he laid out the reason why he shot those three people. Two of them were killed because they were all in the process of attacking him first. Now, let's, and I'm, I'm switching back and forth between Rittenhouse and Smollett because I want you to compare and contrast these two highly publicized trials. So when you look at the Smollett case, you've got a situation where uh, those brothers, the Osendairo brothers, I believe that's how you pronounce it, uh, both testified that not only did Smollett pay them to do this hoax fake attack, not only did he write them a check, which by the way, how stupid do you have to be to write a check to somebody to commit a crime on your behalf. I mean, really a check. Uh, wow. Why don't you just hire a, a sky riding airplane to go up in the sky and write, I'm going to commit a crime tomorrow. So you've got the check. And of course there's a paper trail. There's copies of it. So we got that. Uh, but also there was video evidence of them going through a dry run for the attack on the day before. So that's why it, it, you don't have to be uh you don't have to be Alan Dershowitz to figure out here that the jury's going to come back with a with a conviction. But there were a couple of things that I just wanted to mention from the Smollett case because the evidence here, as I've been following it, has been very compelling. And I've got a minute or two left here, and, and then we'll we'll move on to a different issue after the break. But one of the things is is that he had to take the stand. Because all of the evidence up to this point, whether it was from testimony or documentation or video, showed that Smollett was guilty. And so he was required, not legally, but in terms of his defense, he had to take the stand because otherwise there would be no way to refute 
the assertions of the prosecution. Now, I think he did a terrible job on the stand, but I just wanted you to understand why he had to take the stand. But here is something that could happen that we really haven't seen before in a in a celebrity criminal trial, and that's this. If Smollett gets convicted, he probably won't go to jail. But the question is, can the prosecutors now in Chicago charge him with perjury for telling his story on the stand? Now think about that for a second. If the jury convicts and says, your testimony was wrong, we believe that you paid these brothers to fake this uh, attack, and the story that you told on the stand was wrong, can the prosecution charge a defendant for perjury for testifying in their own defense? And the answer to that is yes. I mean, they can. The question is, will they? But to close out on this topic, I just wanted to mention this. Even though I'm 100% convinced that Smollett made this whole thing up, to me, it's not whether he's convicted or not. I mean, again, he's a two-bit actor. He's never going to work again. This story is going to be gone in uh, a week after he gets convicted. But what he did was it just brilliantly capitalized on the mainstream media's rabid desire for the Smollett story to be true. I mean, that's to me, is the bigger story. Not whether he did it or not. I mean, we, he did it. We all know he did it. But the question is, is that why was the media so hungry, so rabidly desirous to accept what he said is true? Because it fit their narrative that blacks are in attack by Trump supporters in this country. And, and you know, obviously Chicago is the hotbed of Trumpism. I mean, you know, everyone up in Chicago is Trump supporters. My goodness. So that just fed to the ridiculousness of this story. But it was just catnip for a liberal media who pounced on this story and ran with it without ever checking the facts. And to me, that's the bigger indictment, the bigger indictment by far than anything that Smollett did specifically. Hey, when we come back, we've got more stories, including I'm going to break down some of the legal issues related to uh, Joe Biden's uh, loss in court. My goodness, uh, his uh, his legal defeats are are uh, put him in worse shape than Brett Hull's liver on St. Patrick's Day. I mean, it is he is this he's been getting clobbered in the courts lately. And I'll break some of that down with you, Brad Young, at your service on KMOX. You know, just to wrap up the Jesse Smollett story, uh, I, I did see that Black Lives Matter as an organization, BLM, the corporate entity had to come out today in some more in support of Smollett. Now this is, of course they don't care when the jury convicts because everything's going to be categorized uh, in racial terms anyway. So, but I thought it was interesting that the, uh, that the spokesperson for BLM, Melina Abdullah said, and I'm quoting, so let's be clear. We love everybody in our community. It's not about a trial or a verdict decided in a white supremacist charade. It's about how we treat our community when corrupt systems are working to devalue their lives, unquote. So, I just thought it was interesting that they're talking about corrupt systems, but it's Jesse Smollett who's corrupt. It's Jesse Smollett who faked and hoax uh, or faked this whole incident, created a hoax incident, 
in order to blame Trump supporters for doing something that Trump supporters didn't even do. It was his own uh, people that he had worked with in a movie, and he paid them 3500 bucks to do it. So I thought that was very interesting that they're that they're taking taking that uh, position because obviously BLM supports the whole defund police movement and and so they don't want any police which is interesting because every poll that I've seen shows not only Americans in general not only white Americans but especially black Americans are against defunding the police. Everybody's against defunding the police, statistically, uh, except apparently members of BLM. But this will also be an indictment, again, not just on Smollett, not just on the networks, but also on George Soros. Now, again, I mentioned conspiracy theories about a half an hour ago, and, uh, and I know George Soros is the subject of lots of conspiracy theories, but here's one that's not a conspiracy theory. He invested millions of dollars of his own money to get prosecuting attorneys that agreed with his worldview elected across the country. And it's happened right here because George Soros funded Kim Gardner's campaign and George Soros funded Wesley Bell's campaign. So it's happened right here in the St. Louis area. And George Soros also funded the campaign of Chicago prosecuting attorney Kim Fox. And Kim Fox, after these charges were filed uh, or brought, she dismissed them. She completely dismissed the charges and was going to let Jesse Smollett walk. But after the police raised a stink about this because they invested thousands of man hours, thousands of dollars worth of their investigatory time, to, to look into these charges that Jesse Smollett was attacked by white supremacist Trump supporters, uh, they realized it was a hoax. And so a special prosecutor had to be appointed because Kim Fox in Chicago would not prosecute. So when you combine this with the, the uh, prosecuting attorney in Waukesha, Wisconsin, who was the guy who let off Daryl Brooks on a $1,000 bail, which allowed him to go and kill five individuals, injure 50 more because of a $1,000 bail when the guy was a convicted criminal. He had run down his either his wife or his fiance, and had committed all kinds of crimes, including being a sexual predator with an underage female. And he let this guy go on a $1,000 bail, and two days later he kills and injures all of those people in Waukesha. That, my friends, was a George Soros investment. That's what he's been investing his money in, prosecuting attorneys who will enforce social justice rather than actual justice. So that's why I said before the break, I think this is a greater indictment on the news media and a greater indictment on George Soros than it is on Jesse Smollett because he's a nobody and when he's convicted, we're never going to hear from him again. But these other issues that we're talking about will continue to be around and we'll have to continue to deal with those particular issues. Uh, Before I get to Biden's losing streak in the courts, though, you know, I wanted to ask you this. We just came through. We just came through uh, uh, Thanksgiving last week and. 
not only do we have Thanksgiving behind us in the rearview mirror, we've got Christmas and Hanukkah in our windshield ahead of us. We're right in the middle of Hanukkah and Christmas is coming up. Lots of holiday parties. So I thought this was interesting. I saw a poll today that two out of three, 63% of Americans agree that there's always one family member who takes things too far when it comes to drinking during the holidays. And, you know, who is that relative for you? I, I don't want names, but you could just think about it. At the parties you go to, who's the one that goes too far? And and Jake, you got you get your. We're talking talk to Jake Bumgartner here running the boards. But do you, do you have anybody? Again, I don't need names I, or IDs. But is there somebody that came to mind when I mentioned that? No, but what did come to mind is that if you can't think of who that person maybe might be, you? maybe it's you. <laughs> yeah, because you you started bringing that up, and I'm like, I wonder who that is, and I couldn't think of it. It's like I hope it's man. not me. Hope it's not I me. hope it's not. I mean, I know it has <laughs> been me in the past for sure, but I mean, I don't, I don't think it's consistently me. Um, no, I don't think there's anybody. Well, okay, that's not true. Now that I think about it, I think there are two Uh-oh. people in my life okay. that I can picture very clearly in my mind <laughs> that m- more than likely will have a bit too much around the holidays. Yep. But they're fun. It's they're- fun. It's a good time, and they always have someone to drive them home. So oh, 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 that's good. But so yeah, it's okay. But yeah, don't you secretly... Don't you secretly want that person at the party? Because always, it's not even a secret. If other, I, if, if it's I, dull, right? If I felt comfortable enough saying their name, I would invite <laughs> them out for Christmas. They're already invited to Christmas, but I would invite them again on the air. <laughs> but yeah, yeah everybody's I, got that drunk uncle. You yeah, know? but you you <laughs> yeah. secretly want them at the party. Well, okay. Well, it depends on 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 the kind of drunk we're talking here. Like the people in my mind, they enhance the party. Sure. With the drinking, and then there are the people that that bring everybody down. You know, they're bringing up politics unnecessarily. They're you know they're pushing everybody's buttons. They've had a bit too much. That's the kind of person I don't want at the party. There, there's two ends of the sec uh, the spectrum. You know, with that kind of thing. But again, if you can't think of anybody, it might be it you. It might be you. It might be you. <laughs> well, this poll of 2,000 people, which from a polling standpoint is statistically significant, it's big enough to encompass the entire country. Like I said, 63% said there's always one family member. But, but Jake, here's what I thought's interesting. 58% in this poll said that most of their family drinks too much at holiday gatherings. <laughs> so 50% of people are honest, so, at least. That's awesome. <laughs> That's fantastic. So I, I thought that was that was funny, but you're right. If you can't think of someone, it might be you. But even think about it at the – and this is something I've noticed. Whenever I started my, uh, my legal career uh, in the 90s, we went to these holiday parties, and there was a lot of drinking going on at holiday parties – I never saw anything untoward. I never saw, you know, people, what's this, people photo, uh, photocopy their rear ends, you know, at the <laughs> holiday party. I never saw any of that. But but the last few years, it's it's become, I think, uh, society's perspective on holiday parties has kind of been against drinking. And I don't know, have you, have you is that, does that ring true for you at all? No. Or no? No, 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 you haven't no, seen no. that? No. I guess no. it's just the No holiday I'm party in. I've ever been in has had an, uh, an issue with alcohol being there. Well, not necessarily an issue, but there's there's not been the uh, the heavy drinking that I've oh, seen in okay. parties in years past. Yeah, I, 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 I've well, I've never been to a holiday party that had heavy drinking. Okay, by a majority of people. Again, always the one, but yeah, no, it's never. I've I've never. 
I don't know. It's just, I've never been around any kind of situation where like, oh, it's Christmas, let's all get hammered. <laughs> you know, it's it's like it's Christmas, let's all have a couple of drinks. But Uncle, whoever, yes, we know he gets yeah. hammered, but we yeah. are we, not going to do we're that. We're going to be nice and safe. I mean, I do know people that do uh, do go pretty hard at the holidays. Uh, yeah. There, there was somebody I worked with uh, a few years ago who was like a point of pride for her family. Really? Yeah. <laughs> she was she was the designated drunk at the party? I think the whole family, I think the family itself, the household was the designated oh, drunk. Oh, the whole family. Oh, man, yeah. She told okay. me, it's like, oh, yeah, my family goes hard at Christmas, Thanksgiving. I'm like, <laughs> really? Your family goes hard? I get a picture of one or two people going hard, but the whole family? She's like, oh, yeah. And I, I actually, uh, <laughs> I mean, this won't give anything away, but there was a time where it was around the holidays, and mm. I was leaving a holiday party that was across the street from this co-worker's house. And uh, I shot her a text before I left. I'm like, hey, I'm about to leave this party. You want to come out and say hi before I go? She's like, yeah. And I see if she opens the front door. And I'm in my car, and the car is running at this point. Mm-hmm. I can hear the party. Through the house. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, uh, how's it going? She's like, oh, we're all having a great time. Great time. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas to you. I'm going to drive home. It's 10 o'clock. Adios. Oh, but I, I always wonder, though, because I've always heard all of these stories about about parties at the office. And I just wonder what happens if you have a crazy party at work and then you go back the next week. I mean, that would seem to be very, very uncomfortable. Speaking of uncomfortable, Joe Biden's uncomfortable <clears throat> in court these days. So I'm going to break those latest losses down for you after this. Brad Young at your service on X. You know, like I teased uh, a few minutes ago. Biden is uh, is losing every court battle. You know, and again, I love it how anytime Trump would lose his court battles, which he should have when it comes to the election results, I still to this day find that there's not anywhere near enough evidence to demonstrate that the election was, as he said, rigged uh, in 2020, the presidential election. Was there fraud? Of course there's fraud. There's always fraud in election. But the question is, is there sufficient fraud to change the outcome of the election? And the answer here is no. So uh, but the media loved reporting on Trump's losses in court. But I'm not seeing that that same microscopic analysis of all of the string of Biden losses legally when it comes to the vaccine mandates. I mean, just in the past seven days, he's lost four in a row. Four in a row. And he's like the, what was the team that used to play the Harlem Globetrotters, the Washington Senators? You know, they never they never won. So Biden is like the Washington Senators playing the Harlem Globetrotters. You lose every time. And, and there's a reason for this. And the most recent loss, I believe, occurred yesterday in Georgia, in the federal district court in Georgia, with regard to federal contractors. Now, We have a lot of federal contractors right here in the St. Louis area, particularly Boeing. The Boeing, all of the individuals at Boeing here in St. Louis are making defense products, whether it's the F-15EX or the MQ-25 or the F-18 or uh, the uh, projects that are secret. We don't know what's being made at Phantom Works, but my point is they're all federal government contractors. And you know people, I know people who work at Boeing who have been concerned about the vaccine mandate that applies to federal workers. Well, the court just struck that down this week in Georgia. And the concept, I want to make sure you understand, all of these legal victories, all of these legal losses, I should say, by the Biden administration, 
all come from the same constitutional principle. And it's the exact same constitutional principle that struck uh, the eviction moratorium last year. You remember last year when Biden issued an order stating that if you are the landlord of property and your tenant isn't paying the rent, you cannot kick them out. Uh, and, And that was struck with lightning speed by the U.S. Supreme Court. And all of these have the exact same root cause, just like the 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 judge in Cole County, Missouri, that struck uh, the uh, uh, statewide and in all of Missouri, struck down the ability of cities and counties to issue mask mandates. It all comes down from the same theory. And that's what I want to share with you, because this is how Biden is going to lose at the U.S. Supreme Court when it comes to his vaccine mandate for all employers with 100 or more employees. It comes down to this. One of the bedrock principles of constitutional law is separation of powers. The Congress, they legislate, the executive branch executes, and the courts decide. That's the in a nutshell. And yet when you've got these agencies who craft their own policies, decide the, the length and breadth of their own power, and then issue orders that people have to follow, they are in essence combining the features of the legislative branch in that they're making the law and they're working as the executive branch to enforce the law. And that's the simple basis that all of these mandates are struck by because of that concept. And so that's what the judge, it was Judge Baker in Georgia yesterday, issued this injunction nationwide uh, for any federal contractor because they had a December 8 deadline, but was extended to January 4. But now the deadline is no more because the court has issued a temporary restraining order nationwide. And it's because of that concept. So if you look at the Biden's mandate for employers, over 100 people have to be vaccinated by by January. That's going to lose at the Supreme Court. And the number will be 6 to 3, maybe 7 to 2, but certainly 6 to 3 at the Supreme Court. Because it's the same issue. Congress has never empowered OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, to to issue vaccine mandates. Never, never, not once. And so they've created this own power, which is a legislative power. They've created that power, and then they're going to enforce what they themselves have created. That's a recipe for a for a decision that says that act is unconstitutional. That's how it's going to work. The federal government simply doesn't have the power to order a vaccine, to order people to be vaccinated. doesn't exist. Now, there is some legal precedent that allows state or local governments to make those orders, but certainly not the federal government. So hear me, I'm not anti-vax. I've gotten uh, my two shots. I've been, I've even gotten my booster shot. I got my booster shot on the second day that you could get a booster shot back in September. So I'm not against vaccines, but what I am against is tyranny. What I am against is a government that exercises the power that we, the people did not give it. That's the root definition of tyranny. And so when you've got a government that the constitution specifically states, all power not delegated to the federal government is reserved to the states through the 10th amendment. There's never been the authority given to the federal government to force you to wreck your career and destroy your life if you don't get a vaccination. 
and yet they're exercising power that you and I never gave to the federal government. So I think it's interesting here in the last few seconds that we have, the Biden administration said today they were confident in their legal ability to enforce the vaccine. They are confident. How, how can you be confident when you've lost every time? Where does that confidence come from? That's idiocy. Hey, Brad Young at your service. We'll be back right after this. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.